Are you still walking along the path to find out what your life's mission is? It may be closer than you think. Welcome to Mission Possible Program with your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. Everyone has a true calling. Join us now and find yours. Now, here is Carol Ann Fernandez. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. I'm the author of the book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. Hope everyone is safe and healthy wherever you are. My guest host again this week is Lynn Fisher. Lynn has a passion for art, nature, and travel has been the cornerstone of her journey. Through a rich and diverse career in the arts, she has witnessed the power that art brings to empower and heal. Lynn's fascination for textiles blossomed into a long-standing career in home furnishings, where she worked with notable designers including Raymond Waits. A love for Mickey Mouse led her to a successful 10-year career at the Walt Disney Company. As a creative director in the Consumer Products Division, she spearheaded innovative design programs that brought new energy to licensed brands. Driven by a desire to give back, Lynn later stepped into the nonprofit arena, where she facilitated art workshops to survivors impacted by trauma and violence. She has devoted herself to making a difference and opening people's hearts to their greater potential. Lynn is an adventurer at heart and has traveled throughout the world in search of greater inspiration and connection. She is excited to share the wisdom she has learned along the way. Welcome, Lynn Fisher. Hey, Carol Ann. It's so nice to be here again, especially on this rainy L.A. day, which is really special here. And I just can't tell you how grateful I am to be doing with it, this with you again today. Likewise, and you're right, it is a rainy day in LA, we don't have that often, so I am loving it, and here we are amidst the coronavirus pandemic, and we are still washing our hands, keeping social distance and sheltering in place. So Lynn, I have another poem, and it's by a woman by the name of Lynn Unger, who is a minister, a dog trainer, and a poet. And a friend of hers had posted something on Facebook about how much we need poetry in this anxious coronavirus age. And she thought, why not? So she wrote this poem. Mm, I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) It is called Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews considered the Sabbath the most sacred of times? Cease from travel cease from buying and selling, give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life, center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. A poem by Lynn Unger. Wow, another profound poem. I don't know where you're finding these, but they, this one I can really resonate with, um, especially the part where she talks about your body being still and reaching out with your heart and knowing we're all connected. Um, I, like most people I know, am endeavoring to embrace this time in a positive way. And I feel in many ways I'm being called to dig deeper than I ever have before, to slow down and embrace what's truly meaningful and important. Uh, Part of my daily ritual is walking 
Bambi, my little chihuahua, and pre-coronavirus. I can't believe I'm calling it that, but that's what it is. It was all about just getting it done. Walking has not always been my thing. Growing up, I was a competitive athlete, and it was all about speed and reaching the finish line first. In some ways, my walks were much the same. I was thinking and planning the whole way and couldn't wait to get home. But now I'm having a whole different experience. Walking has become more like a moving meditation to me. I'm taking my time and becoming more mindful of my experience, my senses, my neighborhood, the trees, the flowers, the squirrels, the clouds. The other day, I was even just experiencing the beautiful freshness in the spring air. I'm feeling a greater sense of connectedness with every everything and everyone, and I love running into people now. It sounds silly, but it's like we're doing, we're all doing this graceful, synchronized dance. You know, as we begin to approach each other, one of us knows enough to cross the street so we can maintain a physical distance. There's always some sort of acknowledgement, a wave, a nod, an expression, and then we both continue on our way. I'm realizing more and more how important these moments of connection are, and I'm finding new places of peace and calm inside and creating more time and energy to write, to work on my creative projects, to reach out and focus on new ways of giving back. It feels in many ways it's an incredible opportunity for us all. Yes, it is. I love what you said. Mm-hmm. And I love the moving meditation. I think that's really beautiful and profound, and I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very, very different and very much needed. Very much needed to recharge. <laughs> recharge yeah. and... Re- I, ho- I hope more people um, can do that or are willing to do that. Mm. And just allow themselves to be during this time to be still and to take in all that as you expressed or taking in mm. so I'm Lynn and you had mentioned this as well but I'm also incredibly amazed by the level of creativity um, during this time it seems even more heightened or maybe it's being brought to my attention but I've had several a number of people send me um, remakes of popular songs, but they have new lyrics pertaining to the coronavirus, and they're just incredible, and they are so incredibly creative, and I'm blown away by that. Hmm. And then um, the other thing that has come off the uh, result of this coronavirus, with all of us sheltering in place, is that our air is cleaner around the world and so that is uh, a notable difference uh, india is is certainly ha- certainly has had a lot of pollution and they're noticing you know blue skies and it's it's getting clearer los angeles where we are known for our polluted air and on tuesday los angeles saw the some of the cleanest air of uh, all the major cities in the world that is pretty phenomenal Wow, that's really incredible. Yeah, that's definitely much needed. Yes, in L.A. And so once again, I also want to say a big thank you to all the nurses, doctors, healthcare workers, first responders, everyone on the front lines, the grocery clerks, the sanitation workers, janitors, uh, Amazon workers. I mean, so many of them who are putting their lives on the line because so many of them don't have the personal protection equipment that is so vitally needed. So we do owe them a debt of gratitude. And again, our hearts go out to those who have lost loved ones to the COVID-19 and people who currently have it and are dealing with it. Mm. Yeah, I as well have so much compassion for the loss people are experiencing and also so much respect for all those who are on the front lines This virus seems to be a powerful reminder of our shared humanity, not only our vulnerability, but also our resilience. And I'm just aware that even in the midst of the fear and uncertainty, there's also so much good happening. Every day I'm hearing about heroes who are emerging, people in communities who are rising to the challenge, and 
it feels like in many ways we're becoming more united in our hope, our kindness, our compassion, our love. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And I read a story um, just this morning about a 103-year-old woman who lives in a senior residence in Italy, and she contracted the virus and became unresponsive, and then she miraculously bounced back and recovered. And she was asked what helped her to get through, and she shared, just give yourself courage and have faith. For me, that says it all. It was so, um, you know, amazing to hear people that are bouncing back just because of their um, their resilience. Wow, that's amazing, Lynn, 103. Yeah, 103. And now they're in Italy, they're actually doing um, a survey of all the older people that are bouncing back and getting their wisdom to help, to help, to help. So it's, it's really a beautiful thing. So let's, t- oh, did you want to say something or nope. something else? Nope. Okay, so let's talk more about mission. So in the last two shows, you've talked about different ways one can discover their mission. This week, we're going to continue on that topic. For those who may be joining us for the first time, it would be helpful if you could give a a recap. Um, You began the conversation several weeks ago by giving your perspective on ways people get initiated to their mission. Can you briefly review what you mean by initiation? Yes. So from my perspective, and that's based on my research, there are seven stages to one's mission. So it is a process. And people can read about the seven stages in my book, Mission Possible. But the initiation is the first stage. And basically, the initiation is how your mission makes itself known to you. It is the beginning of your your mission. And from my perspective, the initiation can happen in one of four ways. Okay, thank you. Um, So you previously shared about two of the ways that people can be initiated to their mission. The first um, is through an inspired idea and you have defined that as a sudden download, a spark of intuition, an aha moment. It can also be a gentle whisper of your inner voice in answer to a prayer. It is something that makes itself known and stays with you no matter what. And the second one you refer to is an extreme fascination, and that's where a person becomes completely captivated by a specific subject subject, object, cause, or ability, the moment he or she comes in contact with it, and that heightened interest interest compels and propels them to continue down the unfolding path of their mission. In this episode, we will focus on a third way that people can be initiated to their mission. Can you share more about that? Yes. So in my research, what I found was the other way that people are often initiated to their mission is what I call a life-altering situation. So without warning, your life is suddenly and completely rearranged due to a completely unforeseen incident. So a life-altering situation can take a variety of forms, such as a near-fatal accident, the diagnosis of a life-threatening disease, the loss of a loved one, a terrible divorce, a spiritual awakening, a profound past life regression. So there are many ways that a life-altering situation can unfold. Hmm. Can you share um, an example of someone who's experienced a life-altering situation? Yes, so the first example I'd like to give is Dr. Father Michael Lapsley. And Dr. Father Michael Lapsley was ordained in the priesthood in Australia. So there he was, a white Anglican priest, and he was sent to South Africa by the Anglican Church. And I believe it was in the 70s. And at that time, apartheid was still the system in South Africa. 
Father Lapsley was a pacifist and was both a university student as well as a chaplain to two black and one white campus. And then in 1976, the Soweto uprising took place in South Africa, and that's where there were protests led by black school children. I think it was about 20,000 of them. And many of them were brutalized and murdered by the white South African police. And this deeply affected Father Lapsley, and he began speaking out against the apartheid system. And he said, and I quote, the events of Soweto when school children were shot in the back by an army and a police force who read the Bible every day and went to church on Sunday, shook my faith and my passivism to the roots. And I came to the conclusion that a people had a right to defend themselves. So later that same year, he was exiled because he's speaking out against apartheid. So he was exiled by the South African government. And so Father Michael Lapsley went to live in Lesotho. And he continues his studies and he joins the African National Congress. And that was a party that was established with the aim of fighting for the rights of black South Africans. And then the ANC also established a military wing and waged armed struggles. And so Father Michael Lapsley becomes one of their chaplains. And as part of the liberation struggle, he travels the world to garner support to oppose apartheid. And then in 1982, Father Lapsley learns that he is now on the South African government's hit list. So he moves to Zimbabwe, another African country, and then three months after Nelson Mandela is released from prison in 1990, and having just returned from a trip abroad, Father Michael Lapsley comes across an envelope that had been mailed to him from South Africa, which contained a couple of religious magazines, unbeknownst to him, hidden inside the envelope was a highly sophisticated bomb. So the moment he opens the envelope, it detonates the bomb. The explosion took out the ceiling of three rooms in the house. It made huge holes in the floor, shattered windows, and left him severely burned. And in the process, he also lost an eye. His eardrum was shattered, and both his hands were blown off. So, so that's his life-altering situation. And he said after the first three months, he was like a baby, When he was asked how he survived, he said, in the midst of the bombing, I felt that God was present. I always find that to be very profound. So he he doesn't know who sent the bomb, but he holds the FWD clerk government. That was the apartheid South African government at the time responsible. And so, you know, Father Lapsley had to go through a healing process on all levels. And obviously that does not happen overnight, but eventually he becomes the chaplain at a trauma center for victims of violence and torture in Cape Town, which at the time was assisting the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions. And due to his own experience and the survivors he counseled, he developed the Healing of Memories workshop. And his work there led to the formation of the healing for healing memories, uh, a nonprofit organization. Excuse me, the Institute for Healing Memories. It's a nonprofit organization, and it advocates for restorative justice. He's the director there, and initially the focus was on healing the wounds of apartheid. But today, that same methodology, everything that he had to go through, all the you know survivors that he counseled, is used to address the woundedness in a variety of contexts with people from diverse backgrounds, including teenage prostitutes, refugees, offenders, prisoners, war veterans, victims of domestic violence, and HIV-AIDS sufferers. And these workshops have been conducted all over South Africa, as well as the U.S., Australia, Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, Britain, Northern Ireland, and East Timor, And they've also developed a uh, youth program. Father Lapsley gives uh, speaking engagements and delivers sermons around the world. 
He has authored a book. It's called Redeeming the Past, My Journey from Freedom Fighter to Healer. And Michael Lapsley is an advocate for reconciliation, forgiveness, and restorative justice. And to me, Lynn, restorative justice is the new paradigm. And I hope that one day our justice system here in the U.S. will also evolve to a a restorative justice. So that's an example of someone who went through a life-altering situation It changes his life completely. He goes through the healing process, comes out the other side, and now he's doing incredible work around the world and really helping people to heal just as he had to go through that process. Wow, that is really inspiring. And it's just amazing how um, he's had to, he had to really dig, dig deep. you know, because it, it's it can be so easy um, to wanna um, give up when when the chips are down. But what I can just hear from his his process is that how much wisdom became available um, when he really used his challenge for the better good and endeavored to find his way um, to pull himself up. It's just so beautiful, and he's touched so many lives at a result. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for sharing that. That, that, really, that really touches me, and I do agree that it, it, it will be great when, that, when we, can, we can claim that here, here, here in the U.S., yeah, and you know, uh, Father Michael Lapsley is is certainly uh, a hero, and you know, he's using his life to to make a difference in the lives of others. And having gone through such a profound journey, you know, we often refer to someone who's gone through something like that as a wounded healer. He's gone through the process himself. He can speak to it. He's had to go through the healing himself, and he can then reach out to people who have gone through that. And I think now more than ever, that work is so needed in the world. Yeah, it it really is. He's such a inspiration. And what I love about this time is so often the news just focuses on the problems and it's so beautiful to hear about these people who are who are heroes, you know, um because that's and that's I think what this time is bringing forward is there's more focus on people really doing good and bringing people together versus creating divisiveness. Um, so there's just so, this is so apropos, not only to um, the whole conversation around mission, but also to what we're going through on a bigger, grander scale. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that because there is obviously a lot going wrong and we can look at all the challenges that we are facing and being amidst a pandemic and people dying and incredible, extraordinary challenges. And at the same time, there is so much good that is blossoming and burgeoning and and, and coming forward. And there is, you know, if we can focus on that as well and bring more of that forward, there are amazing people doing amazing things from, you know, very small um, mundane things, I want to say, you know, to to bigger things. But there's a lot of beautiful uh, things happening, you know, goodness, goodness, blossoming all over yeah. the world. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, from, you know, I hear stories of people supporting the children, the animals, the elderly, just the disenfranchised, like everybody, it's just people are coming together in bigger ways. And it's these people that have really overcome what they have and stood in, in the light of it that really, it gives me a lot of hope. Um, hope for not only myself, but everybody who's using this opportunity to stand up in greater ways. Yes, indeed. I, I concur. Mm-hmm. So, are we nearing a break, or we're going to be nearing a break soon? Because I know you're going to be sharing another story. Um, I don't know if we have time for that. 
Yeah, we do. Uh, we are nearing a break, and um, and I will. Yes, I will be sharing another story. But uh, let's take our break now. So. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Mission Possible program on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest host, about discovering your mission and purpose. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment are you satisfied with your life do you know that more should be possible listen for the Access Consciousness radio show with the creators of Access Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now what if all of life could come to you with ease joy and glory Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you tired of your job? Do you feel like you were meant for more? Would you like to live life on your terms? You can when you actualize your true calling. You can be financially sustainable. You can live a meaningful life. You can love what you do. Even make a difference and leave a luminous legacy. Drawing from over a decade's worth of research, her immense wisdom and cross-cultural life experience, Carol Ann guides, encourages, and inspires individuals to awaken to their purpose and actualize their life's mission. For those seeking to deepen their understanding and learn more, please visit carolann.global. For information about programs, coaching, and local workshops, or to purchase her book, Mission Possible, A Guide to Discovering Your True Calling, or to invite Carol Ann to speak at your event, please visit carolann.global. Again, that's carolann.global. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Mission Possible Program. To reach Carol Ann Fernandez or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd like to send an email, the email address is radiomissionpossible at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest co-host, and we are discussing one of the four ways you will be initiated to your mission, as outlined in my book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. Great. So, you before the, before the break, you shared a really powerful story um, about Father Michael Lapsley, um, where he had a life-altering um, situation that helped propel him towards his purpose. So I'd love to hear you share another story. So the next example is uh, Mitchell May. And Mitchell May was a 21-year-old on his way to a bluegrass festival in Tennessee. So he's there with five of his friends. They're in a VW van. They're all having a good time and singing and joking and telling stories. And then all of a sudden, Mitchell May has this sort of ominous premonition of a car hitting their van head on. And then as he turns to face the front, he sees the very car that he saw in his premonition veering toward them. And that out-of-control car crashes into their van just like he had seen it in his premonition. So the impact sent Mitchell May feet first through the front of it. He's unconscious with compacted metal wrapped tightly around him. And it took a crew, a rescue crew, 45 minutes to extract him from the wreckage while none of his friends were seriously hurt, which is really amazing. 
And Mitchell May sustained a multitude of critical injuries. He had over 40 fractures, bone loss in his right leg, severed nerves, severe internal injuries, including punctured lungs. And he was initially pronounced dead on the scene, but he remained in a coma for over a week, you know, clinging to life and and suffering intensely. And he was taken to UCLA And there was a consensus of 70 orthopedic surgeons at the UCLA hospital who basically told him that his leg will have to be amputated. And they also informed him that he would never walk again. He would be confined to a wheelchair. They also said that his immune system would be permanently compromised. And he would lose most of his vision and hearing. But for some reason, Mitchell May refused to get his leg amputated. And instead, he ends up working with a man by the name of Jack Gray. And Jack uh, Jack Gray was an exceptional healer and a researcher at the parapsychology department of the UCLA Medical Center. And Jack would come and work with them, you know, every day. So this took a while. This was a process, again. But as a result of Jack's continuous work with, with Mitchell, the life force to Mitchell's, Mitchell May's body was fully restored and full healing transpired, which included the regeneration of new skin, muscle nerves, organs, and bones. And four years after the accident, Mitchell May had full use of his right leg a recovery that, according to every expert consulted, was medically impossible. And uh, even his orthopedic surgeon, Edgar Dawson, is on record having described Mitchell May's recovery as nothing short of a miracle. So Mitchell May went on to apprentice under Jack Gray. And today, Mitchell is an extraordinary master healer. He has helped thousands of people facing serious challenges worldwide. He has conducted healing workshops. He is an international keynote speaker. He is a nutritional pharmacologist. And his work has been featured in periodicals and documentaries and has been studied by medical researchers. He is also the founder and CEO of the award-winning Environmentally Conscious, the Synergy Company, which creates organic wellness supplements that are life-enhancing and are inspired by nature. And I do take some of those products. I just think he's absolutely extraordinary. And um, again, that's uh, another powerful story of someone who has a life-changing situation. And he came out of it, learned to heal himself, had to go through quite a process. But once he went through that process, he was now and then able to you know, help and heal other people. And that is, you know, has been his path, his mission, his purpose, his contribution. Wow. It's it's just so inspiring to hear just people, just people's resilience and their courage to use their their experience for um, their own upliftment and also just making a difference in the lives of others. It's just, it's just so, it's incredible. Um, it's just, again, very inspiring. Um, and like last week, these are all really powerful stories of people who have tra- transcended extraordinary challenges and have ultimately embraced their missions Um through, through the process of it. Is there anything else that you'd like to add with regard to um, these life-altering experiences? Yeah, so when, when a life-altering experience happens, it doesn't mean that someone's life is over, and I really want people to hear that. Oftentimes, there is something deeper and profound that is wanting to emerge if allowed. And this is a process, right? So when someone goes through a life-altering experience, they're not in that moment thinking, gee, what's my mission? 
they are focused obviously on healing, perhaps physically, as in the case of uh, Father Michael Lapsley and Mitchell May, and also going through the emotional healing, the mental healing, and even spiritual healing. But on the other side of the healing, at some point, something extraordinary emerges if allowed. And I keep saying if allowed because with these circumstances, obviously, they are extraordinarily challenging and traumatic. And it would be easy, it could be easy to remain angry or feel bitter or plummet into depression or hopelessness or a sense of wanting to give up. Obviously, healing from trauma is not for the faint of heart, but on the other side of it can be something profound, uh, perhaps a gift for the greater good of humanity. And I think that is what both Mitchell May and uh, Father Lapsley demonstrate. So, Again, uh, Father Lapsley, having been a victim of violence, having gone through it himself firsthand, and Mitchell May surviving a near-fatal accident that left him with severe injuries, both of them are now assisting thousands of people globally to heal, and that is just so profound, and they're using their lives, again, to uh, to make a difference. That's their contribution, and it's so beautiful, and it's so touching. So that's what's available to people, you know, when they have a life-altering situation. Hmm. I love the way that you distinguished um, that it's um, that it's waiting to emerge if if allowed, um, and how it's there. It's already there, but it takes a willingness to be open. To allow it to allow it to come forward, and that's what I've seen just from all the stories you've told. That, and I'm I'm just this is just what I'm getting from it is that the seeds of of this mission are there, yes. and it's through the process of opening and leaning in that it can actually start to, that it can actual, actualize itself. And it is about allowing it to emerge because, as you said, it can be so easy to fight it and to give up. But it's when you have even a little glimmer, just a tiny, tiny glimmer of um, a place of, I don't know if it's curiosity or openness or whatever that it's going to seep through and the more you the more you connect to it and lean into it the clearer it becomes. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. So, um I know we have more time, so uh would you like to share another story? Do you have another one? Yes, indeed. I have lots of stories. <laughs> I'm sure. How many in all do you have? How many have you collected um, in your book? You know, I haven't counted them because I have many, many, many stories. And and many were edited out only because there were lots of stories. Wow. But, and I want to say that the reason why I'm sharing these stories is not only to illustrate what I mean by a life-altering situation, but I, my hope, my intention, our intention is to inspire the listeners and to show what's possible when we allow, and you were just talking about that, Lynn, when we allow our mission to merge, emerge, there's something there for all of us, you know, whether it's an inspired idea, whether it's an extreme fascination, whether it's a life-changing situation, something within us is trying to emerge. And if we can just allow it, if we can be curious if we can lean into it, if we can, you know, be open to the possibility. I think that's part of the part of the battle. It's just being open to the possibility that something amazing is wanting to emerge. And so if we yeah. can pay attention to that. That's great. And what I love is that um, just when you see all these different types of people um, that are experiencing it, it just... Um, <clears throat> 
makes me aware that it's inside of all of us, and we all have the potential, and that's why I've found these stories to be so powerful, because it's allowing me to reflect on my own journey and to see myself um, and not put myself down because I'm not, I haven't yet claimed my journey, I'm my mission, but to actually know that it's there and I'm on the path and just to keep leaning in. <clears throat> so it's just really, for me, these stories are really so important for my own, for my own growth and healing as well. So, so now I, well, I uh, you have what? I said beautifully said. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. There was a little bit of a, um, you know, a little break in the, in the, um, the sound, so I couldn't hear you speaking. So anyway, I know you're going to share another story. So um, yes, this is someone you had mentioned to me um, a few days ago, and that popped into my mind. It's Eckhart Tolle. You had mentioned him a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So Eckhart Tolle, as many of us know, is a very well-known and highly renowned spiritual teacher. Now, according to him, the first 29 years of his life was lived in an anxiety-ridden state, battling periods of suicidal depression. And then shortly after his 29th birthday, he wakes up in the early hours with a feeling of absolute dread And he said, and this is a quote, I had woken up with such a feeling many times before, but this time it was more intense than it had ever been. Everything felt so alien, so hostile, and so utterly meaningless that it created in me a deep loathing of the world. The most loathsome thing of all, however, was my own existence. What was the point in continuing the struggle? I could feel that a deep longing for annihilation, for non-existence, was now becoming much stronger than the instinctive desire to continue to live. So Eckhart Tolle becomes aware of a thought repeating in his mind, I cannot live with myself any longer. And in that moment, he notices the strangeness of the thought. Was he one or was he two? So he finds himself asking, if I cannot live with myself, there must be two of me, the I and the self that I cannot live with. And then he has this thought, maybe one of them is real. And he is stunned by his realization. And at that point, his mind just stops. And most of us, our minds continue to chatter incessantly, right? But his comes to a grinding halt. And again, he says, I was fully conscious, but there was no more thoughts. I felt drawn into what seemed like a vortex of energy. It was slow movement at first and then accelerated. I was gripped by an intense fear and my body started to shake. I heard the words resist nothing as if spoken inside my chest. I could feel myself being sucked into a void. It felt as if the void was inside myself rather than outside. Suddenly, there was no more fear, and I let myself fall into that void. I, could, I have no recollection of what happened after that. But from then on, Eckhart Tolle was completely changed. He was a completely changed man, and he said that that day, I walked around the city in utter amazement at the miracle of life on earth, as if I had just been born into the world. For the next five months, I lived in a state of uninterrupted deep peace and bliss. So that life-altering situation for Eckhart Tolle, that profound inner transformation led him to become the highly renowned spiritual teacher that he is today. And Eckhart traveled throughout the world sharing his simple yet profound teachings, which have helped people worldwide to find inner peace and greater fulfillment in their lives. He was on the Oprah show. He's been the best-selling author of The Power of Now. And both his books, The Power of Now and A New Earth, are regarded as two of the most influential spiritual books of our time. And that's what his life-altering situation led to. 
So again, I just want to encourage people that when something like that happens, your life, a life-altering situation, your life isn't over. There's something else that is trying to emerge. And if you can trust and just lean into it, amazing things can come off it. Mm. And, yeah. and it's a gift to ourselves, but it's also a gift to humanity. And that's what touches me about mission. There are so many people doing amazing things in the world because they allowed it to emerge. Wow. And it's who would have known? Um, that's why it's so important that you're doing this work because you see Eckhart Tolle, you see him and you hear who he is, but, but it's when you hear his whole story that he becomes even more relatable yes. because we all, we all have our, have our trials and our, our journeys. <clears throat> and I love hearing it, hear, hearing that because you never know. I think we talked about this the, the other week, um, that you just never know someone's journey and what they've gone through. And it's really wonderful to hear that, to see myself in that, you know, to see that, I've had my depression and I've had to deal with things and those moments where you have that clarity, you know, to actually just allow yourself to use those moments, use those moments and move forward rather than retreat and go back. It's really, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and, and with Eckhart Tolle, Lynn, as you were, you were saying, you know, he, he's such a, an amazing and profound spiritual teacher, you're right, and he's teaching us these amazing um, principles, right? And here was someone who is so peaceful when, uh, at least when I saw him on the Oprah Winfrey show, right? And he just exudes peace. And yet, so it's, uh, it's uh, surprising to learn his story, surprising to learn that he was anxiety-ridden for so long, for the first 25, 29 years of his life. It's amazing. It's amazing the trans- and transformation, but amazing to know that that was his beginning, yeah, and it's almost like all that became fuel for him to do his work even more powerfully because he's known and seen the other side. Like, he knows what that's like. And it's, it's so, um, it's just, it's just incredible. I just, I, I'm so inspired by each of these. Um, and I love that you shared one, um, <clears throat> that was more, um, because the first, the first two you shared were people that were in accidents or had some um, health challenge, and I love that you've <clears throat> shared one that came from a whole different perspective, um, and that the life-altering situation you in the beginning you so beautifully talked about it that it can it can take on many many forms. Um, so thank you for that. And is there anything else you want to? you want to add about um, this or about one's mission? Yeah, so, and again, I said this last week, but again, I want to remind people and stress how potent our missions are and what can come off them. You know, what is available to us when we step into our missions, the difference that we can make, the lives that we can touch, the beacons of light we can be for others, you know, whether, uh, again, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your country, whether it's the world at large. So I encourage everyone, especially at this time, especially when the world has come to a sudden halt, to reflect on their lives and to just start asking themselves the question, like, what is trying to emerge? What is trying to emerge through you? What is wa- wanting to express through you? You have gifts, talents, and capacities. You have a contribution to make, whether it's large or small, whether it's locally or globally. What is trying to emerge through you? Mm, so beautifully said. So how much time do we have, Caroline? Are we... Is there um, anything more you want to share about, um, I know you have some other people that you, if we had time, you could talk about, but is there anything else you wanted to share at this, at this moment? Well, we do have a little more time, so maybe I'll run through one story quite briefly, because I've actually talked about this one before. 
And um, this is another life-altering situation. And I had interviewed him uh, a number of weeks back on, on this show. And this is my uh, friend, Bill Gerald's. And he is someone who was a techie, had a very successful career as a techie. And then all of a sudden, he has a life-altering experience and he is rushed to the emergency room and um, he's diagnosed with pneumonia and a collapsed lung and he's admitted to the intensive care unit. And then within days of um, um, going into the hospital, they, you know, things start turning for, for the worse and the doctors pretty much think he's, he's going to die. And they ask his wife to... Um, um, you know, pull, they, they want uh, her consent to basically end his treatment, and she says uh, she says no. And uh, remarkably, Bill improves within days of that meeting. And again, here was a guy who was a techie, and then you know uh, he goes through his recovery again from all the effects of the illness. And then what comes out of him? He suddenly, our, our angels, he suddenly takes to woodworking, and he had never done that before, and he had no inclination in, uh, in to, for, for woodwork or for uh, art, and all of a sudden he's making these extraordinary angels. And um, so again, um, you know, amazing things can come off um, just allowing whatever wants to emerge when we go through these life-altering experiences and when we are actually short on time I didn't realize that in that moment so we are coming to the end of our program is there anything else that you would like to add yeah I just wanted to thank you again for the wisdom you continually share because you're helping so many people and then know knowing and appreciating their own value and the preciousness of their journey I myself leave every um, program feeling energized, uplifted, and inspired. So I'm just grateful for you and for this experience. Thank you, Lynn. And I'm grateful for you and glad we can share this time together. And to the rest of our audience, keep gathering the clues to your mission possible. This week, reflect on the following have you had a life-altering situation? What is wanting to emerge in your life as a result of it? And I leave you with this quote by Deepak Chopra. Everyone has a purpose in life, a unique gift, a special talent to give to others. And when you blend this unique talent with service to others, we experience the ecstasy and the exaltation of our spirit which is the ultimate goal of all goals, a quote by Deepak Chopra. This has been the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. Stay healthy, stay safe. We are all in this together. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Mission Possible program. Please join your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, for another edition of the program next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until the next show, we wish you the best week ahead.